What's up and welcome into the lead block. Let me mute my TV so you can hear Scott Hansen in the background off the top. So Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? Doing good. Obviously, we're back on uh, Skype today. Another Skype episode. We'll probably be doing these for the next couple weeks at least. Um, And we're sorry for no show on Friday. I was traveling back into town. Thought for sure I was going to be back in uh, at my home to record back in Columbia. Um, But I was still driving at like 8, 8.30 got back late had to unpack and all that stuff so i don't think i got settled in until like 11 30 by the time i went and got food and stuff so there's just no way we we're gonna have a show up and and uh send it to producer brenton to let him uh take care of the audio for us um but yeah we will be so this show well we have the one you're listening to now today um and then Friday, uh, I think I know I'll be out of town for the holidays this week. Um, and Matthew, I'm not sure if you're going to be out of town. So we'll do no show on Friday and we will see you again next Monday. But that's fine because we have some we'll obviously have a lot to talk about next on next Monday's show after this upcoming week of football. And uh and we'll have some more to talk about going into next week. And then we should be all good from there. Yeah, I see that uh, Clemson, I know for a fact, is already heading out to Arizona. I want to say LSU. I saw they were uh, they got the buses and stuff, so they probably heading to the airport as well. So it's really exciting that this college football playoff is like for real, for real, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, getting, we're getting to the time. It seems like it snuck up on us. Still got a few more days. Um, big week, obviously got Christmas, uh, I think what Hanukkah's today or eight, I don't know. It's eight days. I don't know if the, the end day was today or the beginning day was today. Uh, plenty of stuff going on. Um, here, let me write. Oh, okay. That's where we are. Uh, and yeah, a lot of stuff going on this week and a lot of football, but we'll start with what we missed on Friday. Um, which was fun because some more interesting news came out this week, or I think yesterday I was reading about it. Uh, the big surprise from last Wednesday, the early National Signing Day period, um, which I like that they've now done this early National Signing Day period so guys can go ahead, have their National Signing Day, and then jump in in the spring semester, graduate from high school early, go to college in January, uh, and they're ready to go. And it's not weird. Like, you're seeing that more and more often with kids just saying, you know what, like, I don't really need this extra semester of high school. Um, I've been planning, you know, academically to be good to go as far as graduation goes uh, for my whole high school career because I've known I'm going to play at the next level. I don't need the extra semester. Let me go play spring ball. Let me go ahead and enroll in the university of my choosing um, and just get it done. And it's cool to have this early national signing day. But it does take a little away from February, the February signing day. Uh, that used to be nuts. Like when I know like when I was in like, I don't know, middle school. So like 10 years ago, I mean, even like going back to even, you know, just a few years ago, uh, national signing day in February is just was just crazy. Everyone was on their computers. I remember like being in middle school and high school, like me and all of my friends uh, be on your computer all day, on your phone all day, watching who's signing where, 
you got ESPN on 50 different uh, computers in the computer lab. Just crazy stuff. I'm sure it was the same for you. Yeah, for sure. I remember, like, I think watching the SMU 30 for 30, and they were saying how in Texas, uh, National Sign is like one of the biggest day ever. Everybody's looking to see who's going to which uh, which school. Also, this was back whenever a huge Clemson fan. So I still remember the day I was sitting in my class, clearly was not listening to the teacher. I know it's February National Signing Day. And I saw, uh, I was looking through who had all signed for Clemson because they were updating Tiger Home. Watson, who's he? I hear he's a dual threat quarterback. And I was like, I wonder, I hope he's going to be kind of good. And then obviously, you know, what happens, happens. And it's just like, wow, it's always interesting to see, especially back then, because like you said, it was one national signing day. Like, well, who are these guys and what do they eventually become? Turn, What do they eventually turn into? And obviously, what else, whatever else that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like you see, like I'm not like a big like recruit follower. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who are. Like I I like to you know like people tweeting at recruits and like that kind of stuff is weird. Um, like it's it's weird when it, it's I guess it's not so weird when like fans say hey like come to our school uh, and you get a little help from the fans and you're recruiting like on Twitter. But when you see like I mean, I get, like, just the interaction between a recruit and fan bases are so weird to me. Like, I would never dream of, like, tweeting a recruit uh, to a, of a school that I'm a fan of. Like, I, it's just, it's weird to me. You're just tweeting at, like, a 17-year-old kid, like, begging them to come to your school. I, like, obviously, you want them to go there because it'll help your football team, hopefully. Uh, it just gets strange for me. I can't imagine it's, it's very normal for the athlete himself, either. Yeah, and then what's also weird is this, like, uh, whenever you decide not to go to the school or not, how they keep, like, kind of coming at you. And then, like, let's say you open up your recruitment again. It's kind of like, hey, dude, we love you. And it's like, no, we've already seen your true colors here. And also, like you said, it's just like you're a grown person, probably had a job or whatever. You're tweeting the kids sitting in the high school classroom. And it's just like that. that's a weird interaction. And uh, Nick Saban saw the art of coaching, and he talked a little bit about that, too. About the, I saw how the whole social media things, how him and Bill Belichick feel about that. That art of coaching thing was absolutely excellent. But yeah, so it's always interesting to see how the fans interact with uh, the recruits if if you really follow it like that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting to say the least. I don't know, like I maybe down the road, like we see, uh, like I don't know, it, that's that's a weird. There, I don't think there ever can be a rule where you can say, all right, like recruits. I, also, like I get tired of like every high school athlete like hyping themselves up so much on twitter and then like dude you like you are what you are just kind of like be humble you know go about yourself i always kind of like the quiet guys i i think that's because that's that's more of who i am like i'm an i think it's just because i'm an old person um like i i came out of the womb i was like 55 so uh <laughs> like i i'm just like an old like classic like i don't need to see you just talk about how sick you are and like how good at football you are and then you don't have your grades straight or you can't figure it out like in the head or you know you you haven't set yourself up to prepare mentally and you end up at juco and flame out like i i don't like i, I think it's social media is that's a bigger issue than just you know athletes but social media is like tougher i i think as an athlete you put yourself under so much more speculation just being on Twitter 
and all that stuff constantly. Like these coaches, if you're good enough, coaches will find you. Like you don't have to beg to be recruited. Um, and I think we do see that with a lot of like the big name athletes. Like you don't see as much from them, but like some of these like mid level guys, like they're all over Twitter just mixing it up. I think sometimes it's just best to take a seat back and be humble about it. But I, I don't know. That's 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 probably an old traditional opinion. Uh, well, it definitely is. But Jordan Birch, the biggest surprise of the day, like we said, uh, five star defensive end out of Hammond School in Columbia. Um, number five overall recruit in the ESPN top 300. Number three, uh, according to ESPN, at his position uh, in the country, the number one recruit in the state of South Carolina. Had offers from Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Oregon, and then uh, Duke, UNC, Wake, and Virginia Tech. But chose to stay home, excuse me, which surprised me, if I'm being honest. And go to the University of South Carolina. Yeah, was, he's a five star, like you said, a strong side defense end. Just for a little information about him, he plays with outstanding bend and leverage with the ability to dip and run the arc off the edge. He has a high level first step in play speed and pursuit. He's a strong physical run defender as well and plays with, with a high uh, level of effort. And he has a lot of athleticism. Sometimes if you went to his high school games, you see him playing running back or receiver or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I was shocked, especially with him being in Columbia and seeing all that was going on. And then when there was a couple rumors of T-Rob potentially uh, might be looking for that, that job at Old Dominion. So, like, for him to choose South Carolina over, like, the LSUs of the world and the Clemson of the world, that was a big shocker for me. But a big steal for uh, Will Muschamp. When he put the hat on, I was like, oh, wow. Like, Muschamp really must be selling the dream to these guys because – I can't imagine these kids like being around, uh, being around like in Columbia and seeing all that and still deciding to go there. But one thing about, uh, excuse me, one thing about Hammond is Hammond has heavy ties to South Carolina. The head coach played football at USC. The linebackers coach is my former head coach, Jay Fry, uh, also played at USC. Obviously, the quarterback is Will, Will Muschamp's son. And then the guy who played quarterback on the team last year, who obviously led them to state championship. He he is now a walk-on quarterback at USC. So there is a heavy connection, obviously, Jordan Birch, friend, teammate, Alex Huntley, who's 6'4", 285, uh, defensive tackle, ranked 189th in the country, and third-best prospect out of USC. He's also going to USC. So heavy ties at Hammond. It's almost like a pipeline at this point. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's still like, you know um... – Hammond being in Columbia has a lot to do with that, obviously. But you see, like, I don't like I thought you brought up an interesting point with them being so close and seeing all what's going on with with uh, the University of South Carolina, especially this last year and the amount of like fan hate and like turmoil that's just been going on in Columbia for uh, a while now. And Will Muschamp's recruiting ability is undeniable. I mean, we've yep. said it on the show before. Uh, the guy is one of the best recruiters in the country. I mean. This University of South Carolina program has a lot of talent. Um, he's got to find a way to coach those guys. I mean, that's still been unproven uh, to me. Um, but, yeah, he can definitely sell the ice, like we've said. But what do you do, you know, after you sold the ice? What do you do with that Eskimo? Um, it, it's uh, – Birch is just going back to Birch. Uh, un- unbelievable talent. Um He's huge for the University of South Carolina. Obviously, the University of South Carolina is losing Javon Kinlaw this year. 
to the NFL draft, and he just graduated last week, actually. Um, but here's the thing with Birch. So we get the news, what, Wednesday that Birch is signed, or Birch commits to USC. But this is nothing more than a verbal commitment because yeah. uh, Jordan Birch did not go on to sign his national letter of intent in that uh, three-day window last week. I think it was, what, the uh, like the 17th through the 19th or something, Wednesday through Friday, um, yeah. which I guess will make the 18th through the 20th. Um, yeah, you like he didn't sign his national letter of intent, which that news I saw it first Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Um, it's weird. I'm seeing a lot of rumors of a he wanted to wait until his teammates signed as well, his high school teammates. I I don't know if I completely buy that one. I think that's a little weird. Um, B he wanted or it's a Hammond rule that you can't sign. I'm not sure about that one either. I, I, that's unconfirmed. And like he just—it was basically he just wanted to wait until the next signing period. I, I think that's a huge, huge red flag for University of South Carolina. And you, while you get a commitment, you have to still continue to recruit Jordan Birch very hard um, because now you have another month and a half, two months here, where Birch is still being recruited by LSU, Alabama, Clemson. Uh, Oregon, you know, all these other schools that have offered him, signing his national letter of intent stops any of those schools from being allowed to talk to him. Uh, they they would not, you know, if he signed last week, Clemson would not be able to speak with Birch um, at all. But now that door is still open because Birch didn't sign, so he's still being recruited other places. And those other places should not stop recruiting him because you have basically nothing more than a verbal, you know, from Birch say, I'm going to South Carolina or I'm planning to go to South Carolina. What changes in the next month and a half here? You know, what if one of these coaches on the defensive staff does end up leaving for something? Uh, what if they get pulled to another staff? We don't know what all is going to happen. And I think you're, you're really, as if you're a Gamecock fan right now, you should be holding your breath. Um, because the first thing that come to my mind, that came to my mind when this is, is this going to be Riley Ridley all over again? Uh, obviously, Riley Ridley happened a lot quicker. He, Riley Ridley, younger brother of Calvin Ridley, who at that time was uh, an outstanding wide receiver at Alabama. Little brother Riley Ridley comes up, supposed to be just as good, right? He's making his, um, his choice to go to college, didn't want to go to Alabama and play under his brother, commits to South Carolina, and then a day later signs with Georgia. It, like yeah. that kind of thing, that that big flip flop. So uh, like a verbal and a commitment and a guy throwing a hat on in his gym or in his high school cafeteria with his coach standing next to him and his mom in the background wearing that school shirt doesn't really mean much. But, yeah, I actually I found that interesting as well. And it was the simple fact that neither one of the guys signed the can coach for him and said that he feels as if uh, they want to sign together. But, yeah, definitely a red flag. Because Dabble Sweeney says this thing that I really like that he says. He says, so if you sign with me at first, you love me. But if you if you verbally commit, you like me. And so with that being said, obviously these guys are highly touted prospects. They probably don't have to worry this much, as much as other guys, but maybe three stars. It's kind of like a lot of schools would kind of move off of them. Like, let me go find some other guys that like me within these next two, that really love me within these next two months. But for now, hopefully it works out for South Carolina. Both guys end up signing, but this is a lot of time for these excellent recruiters from the, obviously the SEC and different conferences to come in and try to make a last-minute swoop. 
Uh, yeah, really interesting situation here at South Carolina. Also in this class last week, you had signed Luke Doty sign. Um, we talked about him, South Carolina, Mr. Football, 2019, uh, four-star quarterback from Myrtle Beach. Um, Marshawn Lloyd, who we talked about, producer Brendan loves. Uh, I actually saw a video today, Marshawn. I've seen it before, uh, but the South Carolina video staff put together a little video for Marshawn Lloyd, and he tweeted it out earlier. And in it, he has this incredible hurdle. I mean, he's up like six foot in the air. He's like... He didn't hurdle a guy who's crouching. Like this guy's almost standing up in Marshall would hurdle him. Really, I mean, incredible out of Dematha High School in Maryland. Um, and then they had a couple linebackers, uh, Mohammed Kaba Kava. I don't know how you say his name. I don't want to pronounce it. Inside linebacker from from Clinton. That's a four star guy. Lots of four star guys. Lots of offensive linemen. Lots of defensive linemen. Uh, they had Alex Huntley in there as well um, from Hammond, as you said earlier, Matthew. But yeah, it looks to be a pretty good recruiting class for South Carolina. I think they're ranked 16th right now in the ESPN recruiting class rankings, um, around 20th in rivals rankings. Um, just a lot of you know good things happening here at the University of South Carolina right now. Um, we'll see if that talent transfers to the field next year. Um, a lot of these guys, I think like Marshawn Lloyd will have an immediate opportunity to play. Uh, Jordan Birch will as well if he's here. You know, if you get Jordan Birch and Huntley, that defensive line is looking really good next year. You you already have Zach um, Zach Pickens. Uh, you got Sandage on defense. Rick Sandage. Um, you got a lot of a lot of guys there with Jordan Birch. A lot of talent on that defensive front and. He, those two guys could definitely add to that talent and their playing ability as a unit. There's a lot to look forward to if you're a South Carolina fan going into the 2020 season. And, I mean, Muschamp's got to win some football games. These guys can certainly help him do it. Yeah, because ever since John Scott Jr. came in from Arkansas last year, he really helped develop a lot of that talent. So, like you said, with between Pickens and then you got Birch and then uh, the last one, Huntley, he can help them develop the quicker they get on campus, get in the strength and conditioning program, by the way. South Carolina did get the guy from Ole Miss. That'll be the new strength and conditioning coach. I cannot think of his name right now. But what's do you know his name? No, I cannot remember his name. I could probably look it up real quick on my phone. But, uh, yeah, I, I did see that this week. Talk a little bit about that and what you know about him. Yeah, so uh, his name is – no, it's not – uh, Paul, J- yeah, Paul Jackson came from Ole Miss. Whenever Ole Miss was having those really great years, uh, Laquan, Trailwell, Chad Kelly, all those guys, uh, he was one of the he was obviously the strength conditioning coach. I was talking to a physical therapist about it on Monday and Wednesday. He was saying this guy's whole entire approach is a lo- built a lot more on flexibility, things of that nature. And so what ends up happening is and he said you can always tell what a really good strength conditioning like coach is, how good he is. Whenever an athlete gets injured, like I don't know if you remember Texas A&M versus Ole Miss, whenever Laquan Trevor really messed up his ankle, he came back the next year and was better than ever. So he said that's the sign of a really good strength conditioning coach. He said Dillman's uh, perspective on strength conditioning was much more based on power, while this guy uh, offers a lot more in the flexibility category. So Paul Jackson, I should have known this. I know somebody who works at Ruth Chris, and they said they saw him the day before. Uh, I think he was at a, a – 
Just had an interview with Ray Tanner. I can't believe I missed that. I need my sources to be on it. I hate being late for stuff like that. So from now on, I'm going to start camping out of Ruth Chris. So that's breaking news. Well, yeah. I hope this we're doesn't do something. But yeah, go to Ruth we're Chris. Gonna, we're going to stick you behind a corner there and cut some eye holes out so you can just watch and no one sees you. Get exactly. The, uh, get the hot tips. But yeah, that's. I think like, you're seeing a lot of that in college football. Guys go more to uh, flexibility. But you're already seeing that a lot at the University of South Carolina. Um, and I think Ray Tanner, you know, will be happy with this hire, certainly. Uh, because if you look at the University of South Carolina, if you look at other sports around here, there's a really big story going on in the last year or two with their tennis slash volleyball slash something else trainer um, who is huge huge i think maybe softball's the other sport huge on flexibility and yoga and that is what those those athletes do all the time and they have spoken all three or four of the coaches who use that program have spoken like very highly about a program based on flexibility versus strength um and i definitely think that's something to transfer over to the football field like you you're gonna have guys power lifting right like I, I always believe that you guys know how to get bigger, right? You can, that's not very hard to figure out. You can teach guys workouts to make them bigger and you can tell them what to eat to make them bigger, but you don't know inherently how to be more flexible and what to do to train your body to be more flexible, right? You can, you can go in the gym and pick up a bunch of weights and your, your muscles will get stronger, but are you becoming more flexible? Are you able to move quicker? Um, and I think that's something we're seeing a lot in sports outside uh, of fo- just football. But I think it's transitioning into football now. We've seen it at different sports, and we're seeing progression with athletes uh, in, in injury time becoming qu- uh, quicker or downtime becoming quicker uh, and transitioning away from let's just get big and strong to, okay, we can be big and strong, but we got to be able to move because football is a movement sport. You know, like you're changing position or changing direction 35 times on a play. You need to be able to have your body be able to react to that very quickly and allow you to be quicker, faster, in and out of breaks than the guy across from you. Agree 110%. All right, we'll move on from there to uh, before we come, we're going to take a break from football for a second uh, and talk about a little South Carolina basketball today since we're on South Carolina right now. Uh, yes, well, I guess yesterday, as you're listening to this, South Carolina beat the number nine team in the country, the defending national champions, uh, Virginia, the Virginia Cavaliers, on their home court, 70-59. to 59. Uh, Most points given up by UVA this year. If you look, this Virginia team in the last four or five years, how many ever years, is defense, right? You're going to see a 40-50 to 50 game tops. Um and I think this is what a lot of people, it's where they struggled in the tournament over the la- other than last year, over the last few years, is their defense is very good, but when they find a team that can just score uh, on them, they can't keep up offensively. And Virginia struggled with that in the past. That's proven to be the formula to beat them. Now, last year it didn't work. Their defense was strong enough, and they were able to carry their momentum throughout the NCAA tournament and win the national championship. Um, they basically just suffocate you to death, right? And you can't score. I mean, you look at their their schedule this year, and they've given less than forty points multiple times. You know, they're they're holding opponents you know under forty points a game or near about, which is ridiculous in basketball. Uh, 
South Carolina was able to score 70 points. The only other team able to score close to 70 points over Virginia this year, Purdue, they scored 69, also beat Virginia. Uh, but this is a huge win for South Carolina, huge win for momentum to prove in, in a huge resume win. They didn't have resume wins last year when they got close to tournament time. They had a really good conference play. Um, they struggled towards the end of conference play, and they struggled heavily before they got into conference play. The last year, South Carolina's basketball team played very well through the first uh, and middle parts of conference play and, and then struggled at the end and weren't able to get themselves in the tournament. I think at the end of the year, we're going to look back. If South Carolina goes on to have a pretty good season, a fair season, uh, and they're on the bubble. This win right here will help get them in, no doubt. Yeah, most definitely. And also, I feel like after this game, fans might start going back because maybe fans kind of dipped out there when USC was maybe not playing as great. It's like, oh, we might have something going on there. And this is good to have, obviously, whenever you get in the conference play. It's like, yo, if you can go beat one of the best teams in the ACC, the SEC, besides obviously the Kentuckys and maybe the Tennessees of the world, it's like we are at least competitive with all those other schools. Yeah, absolutely. And the SEC is growing stronger and stronger every year. Uh, so you get really good competition now, and that, that'll help a resume too. But beating Virginia on the road, anytime you can beat an ACC team, which South Carolina has done twice in, or two times in a row now, they just beat Clemson, which you talked about last week, uh, and, and they just beat Virginia. Um, th- it's a huge win. It's a huge, huge win for them. Um, but we'll move on. To, oh, who is the leading scorer? Uh, Jair Bolden had 22 points. It was the leading scorer for the game. For the game That's time. right. Yeah, yeah. Really big game out of South Carolina today. All right. We'll dip back to football real quick. Um, and we'll start. Oh, we'll go back to recruiting. So, uh, I said South Carolina has the. I mentioned this. You wanted to talk about what something Joel Klatt said this week before we get back into recruiting. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, Joel Klatt had this very interesting uh, observation. Southern California, well, USC Trojans, were the 12th-ranked recruiting class in the Pac-12. I saw out of 12 teams, they were absolutely last. And whenever I saw that and he said it, I was like, that is insane because they were recruiting against, like, obviously in that conference, you have Washington, Oregon State. And it's like, you mean to tell me Southern Cal could came in behind those guys? It almost comes off as a lack of effort, but they did not decide that they were going to keep their head coach until the last minute. And so that probably hurt them as well. But one of the key parts about being a head coach is you've got to hire guys that uh, coaches, graduates, really uh, position coaches that can go out and recruit because Southern California, you can have a plenty of talent right around you so the fact that you came at 12th in the pac 12 so that means the washington state's beating you washington's beating you oregon state and all the other stanford is out there beating you and stanford has harder academic standards well tougher academic standards so the fact that you're getting out recruited by those guys that is that is an abomination and i think as he said i think he said this like it's this is like rock bottom like, you can't out-recruit those schools. You're University of Southern Cal. If nothing else, kids grew up watching you because those kids grew up watching Reggie Bush. And it's like they don't even want to anymore just come in and be like, hey, we can rebuild this. It's like I kind of want to keep my hands off of the program altogether. That is definitely not good. So unless they do an elite job at developing whatever talent they have and you get a whole bunch of hungry three-stars, Southern Cal probably will struggle for a little while here. But they, uh, when I saw that, I was like, are you serious? The 12th-ranked? In the Pac-12, like, there's one thing, 12th-ranked cross-country, we'll take it, touche. But 12th-ranked in the Pac-12, that's unacceptable at Southern Cal. Uh, yeah, I agree with you um, on most of your points there. Is it, 
with a brand name like that, recruiting should be pretty easy. Like players recruit themselves. Yeah, you have to work at it, but like players recruit themselves because so many people grew up fans of this university uh, because their dads and their granddads and their moms and their grandmas, uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever, so and so went there. Like, you know, so they have huge, huge fan bases. And like you said, you don't have to leave right where you are to go recruit, you know? Uh, I get traffic is tough in L.A., but good Lord, take a bike. You can drive a bike from Southern Cal's campus and recruit 22 players to play and, and have a, a very solid football team, you know, a Pac-12 yeah. Conference Championship football team. And to get, you know, to be at the bottom of the barrel in your own conference uh, is it, it's it's a tough look for sure. Um, but I will say I and as you said, this it just kind of reminded me. The kids now, I think we're we're the end we're at the end of kids who remember Reggie Bush, right? Because Reggie Bush was what oh five, oh six, and I remember that. I'm I just turned twenty three. I remember that vaguely. But kids now, what five years younger than me, born kids being recruited are born in two thousand two thousand one, like they were like four, and USC's yeah. been pretty terrible since then. Like they they. Like this, they have had a long, long stretch of mediocrity at Southern California. I mean, since Pete Carroll left, and I think what oh eight, maybe after that. But when they had Dory Jackson, they made it to the Rose Bowl. I don't know when that was, but yeah, after then, it's just been like you said, it's been rough. Yeah, they they've had a few seasons. I mean, Darnold was very good uh, a couple of years ago, but they've had a few seasons where they've been good, but they've been like pretty mediocre by Southern Cal standards uh, since Pete Carroll left. And I mean, I don't know, like if you don't like if you don't put the effort in, like kids aren't coming to your school. Uh, you can't just say I'm Southern Cal. I'm hi, I'm Clay Helton. I coach Southern Cal. Please come play for our school. Boom. That's the end of recruiting. That's not how it works. I mean, it's 24 uh, seven. Just listened to a Joe Burrow interview last week where he talked about, you know, Joe Burrow, he didn't like talking on the phone um and when he put his name in the transfer portal and was being recruited again he said coach joe would call his brother he'd call his brother once a week you know twice twice a week and ask him about joe like constant contact um and that's how recruiting is now like you you have to talk to kids you can't just talk to them once and say hey here's the uh here's our offer here's what we can do for you you know i i and i'll uh counter Joe, how Joe Burrow's recruitment was with Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson's told this story several times um, where the reason he went to Auburn, uh, he had a guy, she had Pat Dye show up at his house, right? Or first of all, let's start here. He had an Alabama assistant show up at his house and say, hey, Bo, um, we would like you to come play at the University of Alabama, but you're probably not going to start till the end of your sophomore or your junior year. Um, and that was it, you know, showed up once. That was their meeting. Guy left. Pat Dye shows up, says, Vincent, we're going to give you every opportunity to start day one when you walk on our campus. And that was it. He said, that's why I went to Auburn. But in that in that story, Bo Jackson only talks to those guys. He got an in-home visit and he decided, right? It's not like that anymore. Guys are constantly in contact with with their coaches. Um, and, and you have to put a lot of effort into recruiting. Recruiting gets harder and harder every single day because kids want attention. Right. You want to you want to feel loved. And if you want me to come to your school, I need the love from you because 
if you don't give it to me, somebody else will. Right. If Southern Cal isn't calling me every week and Washington State is, I mean, I'll go hang out with this pirate coach for four years. So he seems all right. You know? Yeah, 100 percent. Also, one thing, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, I'm starting to like him on Fox. He on uh, his show sometimes, he was talking about the rec- uh, whenever they got Joe Burrow, how they developed him. But he was also talking about recruiting a little bit. And one thing that he said, it used to be, he said earlier in his coaching career, I don't know what year it ended, was that you kind of started talking to the guy. Maybe his junior year, you showed him some interest. You got four games of his high school film his senior year. And then between the time, the end of the season, National Signing Day, you kind of went and sealed the deal. But obviously, it's nothing like that anymore. Also, nowadays, there's so much transparency because guys can look on your roster and see what you need. They can look and see what you're recruiting. And then you're, you, all you are are DM away from another prospect. So it's so, and they have so many camps nowadays. So at this point, like guys constantly have contact with other guys that are being recruited. So a coach might be telling him the same thing he's telling you. Well, now I could just ask him. Like, I don't have to sit there and just hope and see and wait, wait and see what happens. And like I said, and also, uh, you can look online and see the depth chart and stuff like that. So it is really hard. You can't really lie to guys anymore. Everybody's doing their research. Yeah, uh, you're you're absolutely right. It's getting tougher every day. Um, but on the back of that, I did want to mention, you know, we talked about South Carolina having top 20 recruiting class. Uh, number one recruiting class in the nation, also in the state of South Carolina, Clemson. Um so another huge recruiting class for them. I mean, they're coming off two national titles in three years. Uh, at this point, you know, Clemson's recruiting is is it's doing it itself a good bit. Um, but yeah, you have excellent recruiters at that school, uh, and, and you know they're they're number one in both ESPN and Rivals. And kid, that's really where I thought I thought Jordan Birch was for sure going to Clemson, um, and he really surprised me with South Carolina. And Clemson's still not out of the equation because. Uh, Birch hasn't signed the National Letter of Intent yet. I had to send Davo Sweeney in for it and see what he can do and talk to him a little bit more, call him every day, whatever the case may be. A couple things here. Like you said, Clemson, number one recruiting class, they had six five-stars. This is the second year where Clemson goes into California and gets the guy they want. They've got their quarterback, DJ. I can't think of his last name. He's usually like 6'4", like 230 pounds coming into Clemson. One thing about uh, Urban Meyer also talked about this. He said it used to be that nobody even like way he used to say he said he used to not even send his assistants into California because a waste of time. If the guy was halfway decent for the most part, he was going to Southern Cal, maybe Cal, maybe Stanford. But he says nowadays it's a lot easier for coaches like Dabo Sweeney to, to go down to go to the, uh, the West Coast and get a guy that they want. Because those guys are like looking at the even the college football playoff, and most of the time it's fought between the schools in the South. So nowadays you have schools like Clemson, maybe even our Ohio State, and those schools creeping in going into California where you usually wouldn't see that happen and going to get the guys they want. So California, between them, between Stanford, Cal, and Southern Cal, they got to build that wall again because you don't want – you don't, it's already kind of dominant as far as the college football playoff, the teams that are competing for the most part. If it's not Oklahoma, it's going to be a South team. You don't want them starting to go get your athletes because then you're really going to be eliminated from out the mix. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, interesting thing about Stanford um, – they just signed Emmett Smith Junior. Uh, Emmett Smith's son, EJ Smith, which I think is Emmett Smith. I think EJ is Emmett Smith Junior. Uh, but yeah, so that's a cool story. He had a bunch of big offers, and I think I know Georgia was one of them. Uh, Georgia was one of the hats on the table there. But yeah, EJ Smith at Stanford next year. Good, good line of running backs from Stanford. I mean, you got what Toby Gerhardt, 
uh, like 10 years ago now. And Bryce Love, like last year, I think he was a Heisman finalist. Uh, and obviously McCaffrey, who's killing it with the Panthers, had another pretty good game today. Uh, he's in the top three in almost like every category that's relevant to running backs. Uh, I think he passed or set the or took the lead of passing yards today for running backs. I, I'm not sure. I don't. I watched most of that game, which was very boring because the Colts beat the crap out of the Panthers. Yes. Um, my guy Jacoby, my guy Jacoby Brissett, the brisket. Uh, God, I love Jacoby Brissett. Um, yeah, in in just a boring game, but really good line of running backs there at Stanford and EJ Smith joining them. That's a pretty good guy to have. Draw some attention. And also Barry Sanders Jr. went there as well. So just a load of that's just so the second time you've had a big name guy like that, a uh, son go there. So obviously a lot of time you have great send their son to a school. Obviously it's the son decision, but they think very highly of the school in order to do so. All right. Uh, we do have some bowl games this week. We're going to spend just a couple minutes on the preview of, of the college football playoff this weekend, since we don't have a Friday show. Um, but then we'll kind of roll through some other bowl games quickly. Clemson and Ohio State, Saturday night, 8 p.m. Uh, we talked about this game, what, two weeks ago when it got announced. Um, I'm still n- not sure. I haven't heard a lot of, you know, injury or suspension or anything like that with these two teams. Um, no, So no controversy, which is good. Saturday night, 8 o'clock, Fiesta Bowl, Glendale, Arizona. I'm I'm taking Clemson minus two. So give me Clemson by at least two and a half points uh, Saturday night. I just, I, I don't see, Clemson is, for me, becoming Alabama where, I like, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to a close game and they're playing a really good team. I get that they haven't played anyone all year. Um, I've been more critical of that than anyone, I think. And it's just, or Paul Feinbaum, maybe more. But it, it's just, I, I really think Clemson is going to beat Ohio State. And I think, I hope that it's a close game. Uh, both teams are phenomenal. Lots of talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, you can make an NFL team, you know, out of the guys that are going to be on the field Saturday night. No problem. Um, really good game. I'm taking Clemson minus two. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Clemson. Uh, I just believe, like I said, Dabo beat. I remember when Taj Boyd was there, and then obviously Deshaun Watson beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State just had been able to get Dabo Sweeney's number. But, I, but I'm but i going to say that the key to Ohio State winning this game is going to be if Chase Young can – because we're going to get really get to see how good that Clemson offensive line is. If Chase Young can get after the quarterback, then I think they're going to have a chance here. Also, if um, – J.K. Dobbins, if J.K. Dobbins gets for more than 200 yards rushing, I think also we're really going to see Isaiah Sims, like I said, he is a Buckus, he's a Clemson linebacker, safety, Cam Chancellor type role. Anyway, he won the Buckus Award. We're going to see how good he is there. It's going to be nice to watch that matchup, see how often they send him a blitz and stuff to try to mess, uh, to get Justin Fields off track. But yeah, so the key to victory for Ohio State, I'm picking Clemson, but if they're going to win that game, you need Chase Young to have a heck of a day, just disrupting the, the tempo that uh, Clemson likes to establish and obviously disrupting Ch- uh, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. And also uh, Dobbins rushes for more than 200 and really anywhere above 150 yards. I think that would be a good recipe for them to get the win. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Clemson's defense is, is going to be tough to run on. 
Um, I mean, if Dobbins gets over 200, I don't think it's a question. I think Ohio State will win by at least 10 points if he's over 200 yards. Um, I think other things to look for in this game is your quarterbacks and your turnovers. Justin Fields cannot fumble the ball. You can't put it on the turf. Um, and if you're Ohio State, you've got a pretty good defense. Put a lot as much pressure and as much different stuff as you can on Trevor Lawrence because he's shown early in the year that he was prone to throwing picks. Um, whether that was just a little rust or whatnot, I'm not sure. But you've you got to be able to force uh, Trevor Lawrence into making mistakes. And you're gonna have to take you're gonna have to take T Higgins or ETN out of the game. I I really think you you have to take one of those guys. Just commit to it and say you're not gonna beat me with this guy. Um, and I don't know. I think maybe you pick ETN there and, and just shut down the running game and force Clemson to throw. Um, and, and I mean you got Trevor Lawrence. It, it's really no way you look on both sides of the ball, Ohio State and Clemson. It, it, there's really no perfect game plan. You, you just got to hope some things go your way and, and do what you can. You got to cover everybody. Um, it's easy for me to sit here and say, take this guy out of the game. But then you just look, you know, you take ETN out, like you got Higgins and the rest of the receiving core. And then you have Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be probably the number one draft pick here in next year in 2021. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's tough. And then if you do take some of the receivers out, double cover some guys, you got ETN. So, um, and because same goes for Ohio State. I, I still take Clemson minus two. I think there's too much for Ohio State. Uh, but Oklahoma, LSU, Saturday afternoon in the Peach Bowl um, in Atlanta, 4 o'clock on ESPN. I'm taking – Oklahoma has had what their um, – the name escapes me, but they're one of their number one pass rushers is this year suspended. Uh, and the backup running back is suspended for – they failed a drug test. Um, I don't know if you've heard this yet, but what the – they're they're appealing the suspension. Uh, they said that they were just secondhand smoke. The secondhand smoke is what helped made them fail the drug test. Are you? Come on, you can't uh, buy that. Yeah, I feel like somebody. Uh, um, this is not a compliance thing, but somebody's like, okay, we might be able to get around this. And I don't know. They let, they let Justin Fields become eligible immediately, so maybe they might let let this happen because it's going to help the ratings and whatever. And then these players are able to play if they can make a contribution. But no, I'm not buying it all. They they did what they did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You you can't uh, you can't fail a drug test on secondhand smoke. I think you have to sit in. Uh, you you'd have to sit in a like a just a cardboard box with smoke uh, for days on end to walk out and uh, pee strong enough, hot enough to fail a drug test. Um, the the spread. 13 and a half. I expected it to be big and I'm taking it. I'm taking LSU by at least 14. Give me LSU minus 13 and a half. Uh, give me Burrow. Give me Jamar Chase. Give me Thaddeus Moss. All of those guys. And then on the defense side, Grant Delpit and some other guys for LSU making big plays. Um, I don't see any scenario where LSU loses at all. I don't care if you're Oklahoma. Uh, the best thing for you to do is I'm like, don't show up. Um, that's an option for before the game. Maybe try to catch them in some technical things. Uh, maybe break some legs before the game if you want to win. I, I just don't see any scenario where Oklahoma beats LSU Saturday afternoon. And if they do, I'll be shocked. Um, I 
I think Jalen Hurts is going to struggle. Um, he's done it a few times this year as far as, far as ball control. And as down as LSU's defense has been down this year compared to his past, you still have a lot of playmakers on that defense. And it's still an SEC defense. It's going to be one of the best defenses they've played all year. Baylor obviously had a pretty good defense. Uh, Oklahoma played them twice. Um, and Texas had a decent one. But I I, I think LSU's just – they're just too much. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I think LSU probably wins this game. Really look forward to watching Stingley play again. I always like to watching him play at cornerback. I would probably take on uh, – I don't know how LSU do things, but if I if I had to guess, I'd probably take on C.D. Lamb. In order for Oklahoma, you know, I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan, so I'd like to see him win it, but I feel like LSU is going to win it. In order for them to have a chance, though, Jalen Hurts cannot turn the ball over. He cannot have the fumbles. Yeah, it'll be tough for them. Also, Kenneth Murray Jr., the middle linebacker from uh, Oklahoma, I thought he should have been the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year award, but he went to the defensive lineman at Baylor, so that's whatever. So he's going to have to have a huge game. Uh, I feel like it's going to be very similar to that Georgia, the Georgia-Oklahoma game a year back. But I just think instead of Georgia struggling at first on offense, I think they'll be scoring right with them. Then obviously at some point their defense will probably make a stop, maybe get a turnover, turnover or two, and then they'll probably win that game. I expect uh, LSU to win this game by more than 10 probably. But in, in, in order for Oklahoma to win this game, CeeDee Lamb's going to have a huge day. Jalen Hurts, keep the ball off the ground or interceptions. And Kenneth Murray Jr.'s got the ball out. So we're going to see what happens here, but I expect to come back and talk about how LSU won that game and how great of a player Joe Burrow is. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, great game. What was that, two, two three years ago? Uh, Baker and Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl against Georgia. That was a great yeah. game. All right, a uh, couple other games quickly we'll roll through. This week we've got some bowl games. We've had a few. I watched a little bit of App State in Alabama, Birmingham yesterday. App State went down early uh, and a five back and a pretty big, pretty big win from them. Um, but yeah, we've got some good games here this week. I'm just gonna here. Let me see if I can do this. And, did the App State nope. coach? Did the App State coach? Was he already gone, or did he coach for this game? Uh, actually, I don't know. I I didn't see him on the sideline. I'm 99 that he's. I know he's already at Mizzou. I don't think he coached this game. Um, I'd have to go back and look. I didn't. I didn't see him on the sidelines. Um, but yeah, this week we got. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's let me scroll to the top of my list here. All right, we got the Independence Bowl, four o'clock Thursday in Shreveport, Louisiana. I just pulled some games that I I took picks on uh, uh, for people to bet on. I'm taking Louisiana Tech money line. Uh, Louisiana Tech is plus six against Miami. Miami sucks. Uh, They're so bad. Uh, I don't know how they managed to make a bowl game, but we got a bowl. We do have them in a bowl game. I'm rooting so hard against them. I hate the U. I hate them just like I hate Notre Dame and Southern Cal and all the schools who think they still are what they were 35 years ago. Um, you're not the U anymore. You're a school in the south of Florida who stinks year after year and gets hyped up. Uh, and, and like, I, you're just not, you're not fun. You're not really fun to watch. Um, so give me La Tech in Louisiana, basically a home game for them um, in Louisiana Thursday four o'clock. 
Yeah, I don't even know. I feel like Miami, well, even if they come to play, they're just 6-6. Six and six. Louisiana Tech is 9-3. I feel like Louisiana Tech will fill up the stands for this one, like you said, since it's basically a home game. And they'll probably be very excited to play this because it, whether, regardless of the University of Miami having a bad season, it's like Louisiana Tech loves to sound. They can go and beat a team that obviously gets, should be getting better players than them. So I'll take Louisiana Tech as well. Tickets are running for as low as $13 in this game. So go get you a <laughs> ticket if you're going to be anywhere in Louisiana. <laughs> Uh, all right. So we got what? This is a bad week if you have a job. I feel bad for you. Uh, if you're working, we got UCF and Marshall today. As you're listening to this at two thirty, uh, in the Bad Boy Motors Gasparilla Bowl. That's one of my favorite bowl names. Um, and UCF probably wins, but I would like for Marshall too because I, 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 the same reasons I hate Miami. Well, different reasons. But I share that same hatred with UCF. You can't claim a national championship that you didn't even come close to winning. The reason you weren't in the college football playoff is because you didn't deserve to be on the field with any of the four teams who were in that year. Um, And you got lucky and beat an Auburn team who couldn't have cared less about being at, what was that, the Sugar Bowl? Um, Maybe the Fiesta. Lucky, 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 lucky. Uh, I hate UCF fans. Didn't know you were a thing until five years ago when your team showed up magically out of nowhere with Blake Bortles. Um, that was the first time I'd ever heard of someone being a UCF fan. Um, your team is terrible. You're not what you think you are. And I hope you lose to Marshall. Uh, that's today at 2.30. So if you're listening to this after 2.30 or at 2.30, pull up your phone, check that score right now in Tampa. So uh, like a pretty close game. I think that's what two hour drive from Orlando to Tampa, something like that. Um, maybe a little further for UCF and their, their five fans who have been fans before the year 2013. Yeah. Uh, do you, that game once, like you said, in Tampa, Florida is not too far from UCF. Marshall's probably gonna be super excited to get from all that cold up there in West Virginia. Marshall's one of those schools where I think we talked about it before a lot of, it's almost like a Juco, don't get into the school of your choice or preference or because you don't meet the qualification, they end up going to Marshall. So there's probably a decent amount of guys from Marshall who are actually from the state of Florida. But, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take UCF in this game. So they'll have another 10-win season, at least 10-win season. So another good year for the Knights. The, yeah, the Silver Knights. Well, Gold Knights, whatever. Gold Knights. Uh, all right. Tuesday, Christmas Eve, 8 o'clock. A little, little Christmas Eve football. Uh, this will be a good game to toss on while you're – doing something with the family. Hawaii, BYU. Um, haven't watched a lot of Hawaii this year. I think I saw them play two games. Uh, BYU, on the other hand, had a pretty good year. Hawaii's 9-5. BYU, 7-5. Beat Tennessee, as you remember. Uh, Gamecock fans look out for Tyson Williams, uh, who is BYU's running back. He transferred there this year. Um, he's out here with an ACL, though, so I think he's done. Oh, that's right. Yep, you're right. Uh, I'll say, did he get redshirted from that? I think he played too many games. Yeah, yeah, it might have been. So he might be, at this point, rehabbing, preparing for the draft. We'll have to check on that. We'll get back, which I won't know. All right. Uh, But Hawaii, BYU, I'm still taking BYU. Um, I mean, they've had a really good team this year. I watched them play four or five games. Uh, Like I said, beat Tennessee, which was they probably caught Tennessee while in there. They caught Tennessee with their pants down. Um, as Tennessee had their pants down for most of the first part of the season. Uh, but that's a good game nonetheless. little bowl I'm, game. Hawaii Bowl. They're playing in Hawaii, by the way. That's what I was thinking. It's like, 
Yo, we made the bowl game. Woohoo! Where are we playing? Hawaii. What do you do? Like, I'm sure they're excited to get the bowl game gift, but I'm going to go ahead and take Hawaii in this one. They're going to have the crowd. I don't think people will show up to games like that. But anyway, regardless, I'm taking Hawaii in this one, and they'll have a 10-win year, and hopefully I'll help in whoever's going to get recruited by Hawaii. So good luck with that. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is weird to um, have the game. I, I would think it would suck if you're BYU – and I've always thought this because they always do a late night Christmas Eve game or a Christmas Day game late afternoon. I would rather just stay home and not be in a crappy bowl game and celebrate Christmas um, than play in a bowl game at 8 o'clock or 8 Eastern in Hawaii in Hawaii the night before hoping you back for Christmas morning. I don't know. Um Anyway, we'll get we won't pick all of these, but that that night also, what is that Thursday night? Yeah, uh, no Thursday night, the day, night after Christmas, we got Pitt, Eastern Michigan, uh, in the Quick Lane Bowl, uh, UNC and Temple. That's a pretty good game. Noon on Friday in the Military Bowl, Michigan State, Wake Forest, and the Pinstripe Bowl. Um, I hope both teams lose, and I hope they ban them from playing in Yankee Stadium because I hate the Yankees. Uh, but here we go. Here's the first good good bowl game of the week. Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, Friday evening, 645. Um, I haven't checked the line. Oh, the line is seven, minus seven, A&M minus seven. Uh, so I'm going to take Oklahoma State as I keep keep betting on them this year. Oklahoma State plus seven. Uh, A&M has only lost to, like, top five teams. They lost to, what, uh, Georgia, Auburn, LSU, Bama. Who was the other one? Uh, oh, Clemson. How can I forget? Yeah, so they've only lost to the elite of the elite. Unfortunately, they had to play five of the elite of the elite. Uh, well, Auburn's a stretch. But only five really good teams this year. So, Or they had to play five extremely good teams this year. Uh, but I'm still taking Oklahoma State because I want to see Mike Gundy win the Academy Sports, my favorite store of all time. I love Academy Sports so much. Um I was in there, I think, three times this past week getting Christmas gifts. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how often you go to Academy Sports, Matthew, but it's it's definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah, the Academy Sports Outdoor Texas Bowl. That's Friday at 645 Eastern. Uh, who you got now? I got A&M. I love, well, not love. I like Jimbo Fisher. I love what he did at Florida State. I hope he gets to do it again at Texas A&M. Been looking at a lot of film with Jameis Winston as of recently, aside from his off-the-field issues. But, yep, so I'm going to go ahead and take Texas A&M, <laughs> and I'm hoping that uh, Jimbo can continue to build that program to a national championship level. All right, and then 8 o'clock Friday night, so another good bowl game, Southern Cal and Iowa. Uh, I'm taking Iowa in this one. It's the San Diego County Credit Union what is this? The, uh, the Holiday Bowl. I think it used to be the Poinsettia Bowl. Uh, or maybe that's a different bowl sponsored by the San Diego County Credit Union. I don't know. Maybe we're getting them mixed up. But, uh, yeah, San Diego. San Diego, beautiful place. Uh, Southern Cal, Iowa. I'm taking Iowa. Iowa's just too good of a football team um, for Southern Cal to handle, I think. They're, they're too good of a football team for most teams to handle. I mean, they only lost three games this year. And they played really, really good teams in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, I'm taking Iowa on that one. Who you got? Uh, we'll go ahead and take you yeah, out. Okay, most schools in the Pac-12 are scared of Southern Cal. But the, uh, Iowa's coming from the Big Ten. They'll be happy to go play in some heat out there in California. The big guys are probably tired of eating cheese. 
So I'm going to go ahead and uh, get Iowa with the win. All right. And the game I think I'm most looking forward to all of Friday, Air Force and my guy, my guy, Mike Cleach, playing 10 o'clock Friday night, just like we're watching Pac-12 in the regular season, in Chase Field in Phoenix, which is where the Arizona Diamondbacks play, the professional baseball team, um, who also signed just signed Madison Bumgarner. I think we talked about that on last Monday's show. Um, but yeah, Anthony Gordon, Washington State's quarterback, has set school records for, like I think, every everything, yards, touchdowns, whatever, completions. What is it? He's 465. He's thrown nearly – he'll – if he throws 53 times Saturday, Friday night, which is very likely, uh, we, he will have thrown the ball 700 times this year. Uh, that guy's arm has got to be about to fall off. And he's at, what, 5,200 yards? There is a possibility. It's not out of the realm of possibility. He's done it once. He's nearly done it once this year. That he gets 772 yards or whatever it is that he needs and gets to 6,000 yards on the year. I mean, that's, that's a lot of yards. He's throwing up. NFL uh, franchise quarterback yardage in four last games. Granted, it's against the Pac-12 uh, and the Pac-12 North, who has had some up-and-down teams this year. Uh, but yeah, that, that game's going to be really fun to watch. Air Force has had a really good team this year. I haven't seen their uniforms yet. The military academies, I think, always have the best uniforms. Um, so that'll be cool to watch. So I'm taking Washington State in that one. Who do you got? Does the Air Force still run that triple threat offense? No. They're running something else. They're running they're running like a spread now. I'm going to go ahead and go with Air Force. I hope they can get the job done there. They, if it's a shootout, Washington State will win. Hoping they have one of their slip-ups they occasionally have. I'm going to go ahead and take Air Force with the win of that one. That game will be in Phoenix, Arizona at Chasefield. Yeah, all right. There's some other good games Saturday. Uh, Memphis, Penn State, Notre Dame, uh, Iowa State. Hope, you know, I hope Memphis, Penn State is interesting to me. Um, I would have rather seen Penn State play a better team uh, or, or a more notable team, but I think Memphis deserves a shot. They had a really good year. Um, Notre Dame, I hope they find a way to lose against Iowa State, who had uh, an underwhelming year, I'd say, for Iowa State. They had a lot of hype coming into the year. I just didn't quite pan out. Those will be two pretty good games this Saturday at, at noon, both of them at noon, uh, before the college football playoffs get kicked off. Um, I was something I wanted to touch on really quickly. Have you seen, before we wrap the show, Antonio Brown, his videos from the last week, this guy, we, we knew he was crazy and losing it. They are getting worse and worse by the day. To the point where he should legitimately check into a mental hospital and, and just get checked out. I mean, he's definitely got signs of CTE, and it's a mixture of what the hell are you doing and this actually being kind of sad to watch at this point. Yeah, the decline of him. Just think about it. he had a, a guaranteed contract at the beginning of this year, a really high paid guy. He just like we started to see things. It's like, what is that? But we didn't know it was foreshadowing to what is to come. Now he's out the league. We don't even talk about him because the NFL doesn't need you. You need the NFL. And uh, it's just another rap videos now. And it just seems like he's going through, like, I, uh, it's always interesting when the camera's on what you see. But, like, when he's alone, like, is he lost? Like, somebody needs to help him. I'm sure many NFL guys, because the NFL a lot of times like a brotherhood. 
a lot of guys probably reached out to him, but I, I don't know. It, it sounds like whenever Ray Lewis was wild a little bit, so he went and hung out with Shannon Sharp, and Shannon kind of like mellowed Ray out and like held him accountable and things of that nature. Seems like we need something like that for Antonio Brown. I don't know how accepting of that he is. I hope Hollywood Brown stays far, far away, though. Don't go see your cousin. Just don't in the off season. If you're gonna go back to Florida where you're from, go to go to going out with Lamar. Stay away from uh, Antonio until Antonio gets some help. <laughs> Hope he decides to go ahead and get it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's just a crazy scenario going on. I mean, this has been one of the most ridiculous stories ever in the NFL this year. Um, other thing, Pat Mahomes' brother. Uh, what's his name? Jackson. Have you seen this? Like these TikToks he's doing. No, I see him. All right. Well, I, I mean, they keep popping up on my Twitter timeline. Go look them up. I mean, they are disastrous. I mean, Pat Mahomes walked in the background of one. I think one he posted in this last last this weekend, uh, and could not have had a more disappointed look on his face. He is a shadow of his brother's greatness. Um. I don't know. There, I don't really get TikTok. Like, I mean, I like I said earlier in the show, I was born to be an old guy. Um, but yeah, it, it's they're really tough to watch, and I'm tired of seeing them. So, but I guess if he's good at them, I don't really know. I, it's just so weird to me. It's so weird that you have this incredible, incredible athlete. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is weird too, though. He puts ketchup on everything, um, which I'm okay with. If you're a ketchup, he, like, I'm okay with him being a ketchup guy because he doubles down on it. He's like, you know what? I love ketchup, dude. I want to ketchup on everything. Like, I think it tastes great. So I got to respect that. But the, the TikTok things are, are just getting weird. Yeah, I don't know about that brother of his. The only time I see him is whenever. There's a game, like, whenever they played the Patriots and the fans were all over, like, talking junk to her. And they're like, ha-ha, guys. It was so funny. He's like, ha-ha, guys. This is Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend. Let's make sure she did something such such. That's what they shared. They had to end up being moved into a more secure area. Yeah, my little cousins are all over TikTok and stuff. They tell me to get in, and I keep telling them I'm not going to. Uh, South Carolina football, I think, has, adapted, has adopted it, so they finally have it. You know, they do whatever. They obviously get in the public eye for public relations and things of that nature. But I'm going to stay away from it to absolutely necessary. Yeah, I think the uh, – I saw somewhere this week the South Carolina cheerleading group has got a really big following on TikTok. Um, and – I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what nerve they've hit in the TikTok world, but I mean, apparently they're doing really well. I saw like three articles about it this week, so good for them, I guess. Um, like we said earlier in the show, no show for Friday again. Uh, Going to be take this time this week, celebrate the the holidays, um, spend some time with the family. Uh, reach out to us for after next week if there's anything you particular bowl game that happens this week that you want us to touch on it we'll we'll make sure we touch on it um i'll probably be watching all of them i can't imagine a scenario where i don't unless i get dragged into some dinner that i don't want to go to um and, and i will be traveling a little friday so i might miss them but uh yeah really big week of football for the college football playoff um two one pretty good game one probably not great game to recap, keep well, we'll keep watching the Jordan Burt situation. Uh, I guess that's kind of all we got. You got anything else, Matthew? No, man, that's all. All right. Well, I guess we wish everyone Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, stay safe. Um, we will see you next Monday 
Uh, before we go, go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Uh, Matthew at Matt, the chosen one with the number one myself at Tyler Walter CNR. Um, go subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Leave a five star review. Tell us why you like it. Tell us what we can do better. Uh, Hit us in the DMs, comment, anything you ever want mentioned on the show. Like I said, if you have any bowl games you want to talk about in particular this week, let us know. We'll make sure uh, we talk about them. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your cousins. Uh, make a TikTok video where you play the lead block in the background. Love to see that. Um, oh, maybe Jackson Mahomes do that for us. <laughs> and... Also, we'd like to say a thank you, thank a special thank you to Ben Sound for our music for the show, and I think that is all we got. Thank you for your time, and we'll see you next. Week. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on GarnetMedia.org.